Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. Hello and welcome again to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. The mini story I am bringing you today is from Grenville, Quebec, which is framed by the majestic and ancient Laurentian mountain range. Many of the source documents are originally written in French, which I neither speak nor read, so I had to rely on Google Translate, which I don't completely trust, and I wouldn't trust my pronunciation of any names either but that's on me, not on the documents. However, very few English media sources covered this story, and it's a story that deserves to be told. And I know that I also mentioned last week that I would be back this week with a regular episode. I didn't really lie, I just got my dates mixed up. This is the murder of Marielle Portalance. Laurentian Mountains are in southern Quebec, but span into central Ontario. They are one of the oldest mountain ranges in the world, originating 540 million years ago. Along the foothills of these mountains winds Scotch Road, named for the Scottish settlers that once inhabited the area and has recently become in a state of disrepair due to an increase in quad and motocross traffic. At the northern end of Quebec, where Scotch Road becomes Highway 344, and on the edge of the Ottawa River lies a small town of Grenville-sur-la-Rouge, which has a population of 2,800. If you cross the Long Salt Interprovincial Bridge, you will find yourself now in Ontario in a town called Hawkesbury. Hawkesbury is a mostly French-speaking town of about 10,000 people, with a mostly industrial economy of textile mills, steel plants, and plastic factories. Today's story begins along a wooded hiking trail about 12 kilometers off of Scotch Road near Lake Cook in the Grenville-sur-la-Rouge area on July 29, 2016, when a father and son hiking in the area stumbled upon the body of a young woman around 7 p.m. that night. Her body had been wrapped tightly in what some reports state was a carpet and others refer to as a tarp. The young woman's death was immediately suspicious being found in such an isolated and remote place and it was believed she had died about 48 hours before she was found. Police at the time wouldn't comment on any cause of death pending the outcome of the autopsy, but she was identified as 30-year-old Marielle Portalance from Hawkesbury. She had left behind an 8-year-old son. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to track down a lot of information on Marielle as it just wasn't reported on a lot, but her sister Veronica spoke to the Montreal Journal in 2019 and said that she did have some pretty significant substance abuse issues with crack cocaine that had started about five years before and she had made several attempts to kick her addictions. She was being treated by a psychiatrist and had a sponsor, but she just hadn't been able to, to leave her demons behind. Veronica said, quote, we knew her life was rock and roll and that it was serious what she was going through, to be honest. I told myself it could happen, but not that it would go that far. Her mother, Louise, said, Marielle often made efforts to get out of it. She hated the things that she did to support herself with drugs. 
Marielle's former boyfriend, Patrick Labrie, was questioned after. He hadn't spoken to her for about a week before she was murdered, but he said that at the time that she was okay at that point, she was taking care of herself. Marielle and Patrick had known each other for about nine years, and she and they shared their eight-year-old son together. Patrick was not surprised that she had died, but was surprised that she had been murdered and told the Ottawa citizen it's sad because nobody deserves to die that way. Patrick was early on ruled out as a suspect as his alibi checked out. Now, fortunately, although it would turn out that Marielle had met with a few career criminals in the days leading up to her death, they are hardly going to be heading any Fortune 500 companies or writing a thesis anytime soon, as none of them were smart enough to know that would, that police keep records of stuff, including a complaint filed on July 19th, about 10 days before her murder, by Marielle to the police that she had been at the Lestache Bar in Granville sur la Rouge when Melanie Mallet, a known drug dealer, and one to which Marielle owed some money, grabbed her and forced her into a car and drove her to Marielle's residence where she punched her several times and tried to strangle her with a shoelace. In order to be let go, she had to give Melanie her fridge and oven as payment. And the next day, Melanie's good friend and fellow drug dealer, Mario Lalonde, came by the apartment, picked up the set appliances, and Marielle was released and went directly to the police station. So that seems like a pretty good place to, for the police to start their investigation. Melanie has been arrested on the 19th for beating and the attempted murder of Marielle, so they know that it wasn't her, as a very much alive, although bruised, Marielle had come into the police station herself. So they set to work tracking down 30-year-old Mario Lalonde. Mario was arrested and charged with Marielle's murder on August 19th, 2016. So I'm not sure if he was questioned right away and denied his involvement in her death and the police took a month to gather their evidence against him or if it just took them a month to find him and question him. I have a feeling that it was actually his wife that told on him because she was there during the entire ordeal and yet never faced any charges. Or at least any charges she did must have been pretty minor because she's never named in any of the source documents. So she might have made a deal in exchange for immunity, but that's conjecture on my part. Regardless, he told a rather disturbing tale. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When Mario learned that Melanie had been arrested because of Marielle, which he found out about on July 23rd, he was furious. So when him and his wife, who's again not named in any of the documents, ran into another fellow friend from the criminal underbelly, a 39-year-old Marie-Josie Castello at the Tim Hortons in Grenville-sur-la-Rouge, he blabbed on about the betrayal for two hours with her. Marie didn't really have much good to say herself about Marielle and accused her of once sleeping with her husband. Marie mentioned that she'd like to find her and do a cash pass on her. Now, I looked everywhere for an urban dictionary account of what a cash pass is in the drug world, and I couldn't find it. So if you know, let me know, but maybe don't tell me how you know. To the best of my guessing, I'd say it's just a fancy word for mugging her. Anyways, around 3.20 a.m., after figuring he'd bitched about Marielle enough, Mario and his wife went home to bed. 
Marie still had some partying or selling to do, so she headed to the La Sumai's bar. Less than an hour later, Marie sent Mario a text that she had just seen Marielle walking along Principal Street. Mario quickly roused himself from bed and his wife, and they both headed down to meet Marie. Marie suggested they kidnap her and take her to a place called Black Lake, which is not actually a lake but an isolated sandy pit. It's a strange clearing of sand surrounded by woods. That was probably at one point a small lake. Anyways, Mario thought this was a grand idea, so his wife and Marie went back to Mario's place and got some supplies. Supplies, which would include a baton, which I'm not sure why anyone would have any of one of those lying around, uh, like a black police baton and a baseball bat. Meanwhile, Mario drove around and spotted Marielle. He grabbed her from behind and forced her into his car and drove her out to this black lake sand pit. Once he got there, he pulled her out of the car, beat her about the head and face, and told her to strip and roll around in a large puddle of mud. When Mario's wife and Marie arrived, Marielle was naked, muddy, and already dazed from Mario's beating. They then put her back into one of the vehicles and drove her back to Mario's kitchen to continue the beating and humiliation. And for the next four hours, they secured her to a chair with duct tape, gagged her with a dirty kitchen rag, continued to punch her and kick her and accused her of being a snitch, and Marie accused her of sleeping with her husband. Then, when they decided that she had enough, Marie wrapped her, still alive, in a large blue blanket, which she tied like a bundle around her, which Mario later described as being wrapped like a sausage. Marie put two plastic shopping bags over her head and then put her in the trunk of Marie's Toyota Corolla, and Marie drove around with Marielle in the trunk for a few days before deciding to dump her off the side of the gravel Scotch Road, where she was found by a father and his son who were just trying to have a nice summer hike. According to the autopsy done by Carolyn Tangay, the same pathologist who performed Sabrina and Amanda Sorella's autopsy, Marielle was alive when she was put in the trunk of the car, and unlike when a person is strangled to death who mercifully loses consciousness before death, when you have a plastic bag on your head, you are alive until you run out of breath. Alive, gasping for air, panicked, and in a tremendous amount of pain from being beaten for hours. I don't know about you, but I stub my toe and pray for the sweet release of death. I can't imagine what her last hours were like for her. On Valentine's Day in 2018, Mario pled not guilty to second-degree murder, but received a sentence of life in prison. Now, the parole and eligibility period was hard to track down. I'm sure I read somewhere that it was 15 years, but I can't find where I read that now. Mario wept during the proceedings and apologized, saying he felt so much shame it was hard to express himself. Mario's mom, Louise, said, quote, I forgive you, but I will never forget the violence of your acts towards my daughter which is an amazingly gracious and dignified response considering what was done to her baby girl. Then on September 26th of 2018, Marie took her turn in court, pleading guilty to second-degree murder. However, Justice Mark David, who presided over the hearing, was actually concerned about two psych assessments that were done, one in 2009 and another in 2017, that revealed that she suffered from depression, anxiety, substance addiction, and a personality disorder. He said um, to Marie, who was 41 at that time, it worries me about the validity of your plea. 
So he was actually concerned that it could lead to a not criminally responsible defense down the road uh, and, of course, an appeal of the decision to plead guilty. So he suggested very strongly to the prosecutor and the defense to both read over the reports very careful before they proceeded. Quote, I want to make sure that I don't find myself in three years with a plea withdrawal procedure. In the end, the guilty plea stood, and Justice Mark David said of both Mario and Marie, quote, only the cowardice of Lalonde and Castello explains such a way of killing. Outside the courtroom, when asked if she was aware that Mario had tried to commit suicide and about Marie's words of remorse, Marielle's sister Veronica said, quote, Honestly, I don't really care. It's going to sound horrible what I'm going to say. I want them to be unhappy for the rest of their lives, end quote. I don't think that that sounds terrible at all, actually. I completely understand her need for them to suffer. Marielle certainly did. And that was the brutal murder of Marielle Portalance. I will be back again next week with a regular episode. And on that, I promise, thank you so much for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.